Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. My name is Chris Bowne, the editor. I'm here around the desk of Insight at Analyst Towers with Andrew Sankster, the editorial director. We're going to talk about three topics uh, in the the hotel investment space that have caught our interest in the last week or so. And as usual, if you'd like to know more and read more about what we're talking about, then do visit hotelanalyst.co.uk where you can subscribe and also find out about our daily news service, which uh, comes straight to your inbox uh, every every weekday morning. So let's kick off with uh, a little bit more about the results, quarterly results coming through from all the major hotel groups. And um, perhaps one of the contrasts that uh, came out this week was we had results from the European part of the Radisson Empire, uh, the Radisson Hospitality AB, the Scandinavian part of the of the empire that covers Europe, uh, Africa and the Middle East. Uh, and they had a very, very strong quarter uh, with, I think, their best ever EBITDA. In absolute contrast, we had more news from America and the American groups such as Marriott and Host where things were looking rather flatter. And therefore, as is usual in these circumstances, discussions were moved to something else than just the numbers uh, but <laughs> and as a result we learned quite a bit about what's going on with Marriott and their uh, their loyalty campaign Bonvoy um, so uh, Andrew do you, is that reflection a, a kind of fair fair summary of where pretty, things are pre- pretty much Chris yeah I mean I mean I, I don't think it's all all, all um, beer and skittles over here in Europe actually relative to North America uh, I think there are some significant challenges ahead so this it might be a um, seen as a bit of a high point um, especially with uh, Germany actually just about to go into recession um, official recession the UK only just avoiding going into recession um, I, I think we're, we're, we're through a fairly toughish time economically over the next sort of Oh, I don't know, 18 months, two years maybe, although it looks fairly flat, um, which is pretty good. It's certainly not going to be a, an almighty crash. It doesn't look that way at the moment anyway. But going back to the to the results, I think Marriott is, you know, as the, the biggest of the global major hoteliers, um, it's for the one to, to look at the closest. And I mean, there is reasonable news, you know, within their results. Um, their net unit growth, the NUG, is still looking pretty good. Um, it's expected to hit 5% to 5.25% for the whole of 2019. They just tickle that slightly lower, that range. Um, they were blaming construction delays in the US, the Middle East, and actually for the first time this quarter, they're blaming Europe as well. Um, <laughs> but still, it, it's not a bad thing. And they've got the highest ever pipeline they've ever had in their history 495,000 rooms just shy of the half million mark and that's the pipeline remember um I mean, it's just remarkable how far we've come as an industry because you know we used to talk about half a million rooms as being you know took you into the global major sort of category and now that's just the pipeline so obviously Marriott well over the million room mark already now um 
What's interesting with Marriott, though, I think there's a contrast with their global major peers in that Marriott's very focused on management and on the upper upscale and luxury. Um, and I, th- I think if you look at um, the the budget end, economy end of the market and the franchises, um, that all seems to have been uh, a lot healthier. Um, I think it's with, with the management contracts in particular where there seems to have been a bit bit more of a bump. So Marriott's EBITDA was flat uh, and Hilton's was up, what, 9%, I think, um, in, the, in Q3. And I think this reflects the relative exposures uh, um, to franchising versus management with Marriott more heavily in the upper upscale, particularly thanks to the Starwood acquisition. But nonetheless, it's still a reasonable um, set of results. And I st- still think that it, there's still a great deal of resilience in this asset light model. Um, going on to the thing you said that was a lot of chatter around um, on the, the analyst call, and indeed it was Bonvoy. And it's quite interesting, actually, because this, this, the ability to burn points seems to be one of the key focuses here. Um, so it had been sort of, let's build up our um, schemes and get lots of members involved. Um, but then it turns out that members didn't want to be spending their points, which they'd accrued thanks to staying on company business in you know various sort of uh, cities, they didn't want to spend those same points in those cities. At the Marriott in been... Boston, yeah, you know, for the weekend. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, downtown, I don't know, somewhere <laughs> or other, grotty in, in America. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, let's rather... go to the Caribbean instead. Yeah, exactly. And that that's what's driven the acquisition of Elegant. And it's also interesting, and there was some talk about um, this the new home sharing thing the homes and villas by Marriott's have launched um, and they said 95% of the bookings in homes and villas were by loyalty members and 30% of the overall total were point redemptions mm. which just shows how important that burning bit is there and um, in terms of this move into the leisure market, it's this all-inclusive bit, which is a new thing for the uh, these global majors. Obviously, we've got hoteliers, hotel brands which have been very extensively involved with all-inclusive but not uh, the biggest of the players uh, so this is a new thing now and they're cautiously entering into yeah. that of which elegant is a is a yeah it, it know, did seem that they were kind of uh, there was, there was an admission by arnie Sorensen that it, this is something they, they're kind of still got to get their head around and I, I did wonder because um we we had a, someone speaking at our, our recent hotel analyst conference who mentioned that uh, certain hotel brands uh, and certain hotel managers love points redemptions because when people come and stay with a points redemption, they're getting their, they feel like they're getting their room for free and they spend freely on expensive cocktails yeah. and, and extras. But uh, if you're if you're letting people redeem points for an all inclusive, there must be a bit more of a limit on what you can get to spend extra on. Yeah, well, I guess from an owner's point of view, what, what's going to have to happen is there's going to have to be a very good payback for those yeah. redemption points. So, I mean, that, 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 whereas you'll probably take a bit more of a hit um, if, you, if you thought you were likely to be able to um, sell more F&B and other bits to them, well, I guess, if that's not available. Yeah, I guess maybe with Elegant, they're hoping they'll retain as much of the Elegant, the existing Elegant business they can and uh, and then just sort of splice in the uh, the freebies from the Bonvoy programme on top. Um, and, and that way they yeah. can main, maintain some good good cash inflow from the uh, the Elegant elegant properties. Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess one of the key bits is, you know, that that all-inclusive market is 
been very much on a sort of tour operator type model where you're shipping them in um this isn't this is you know merit and not getting into that aspect of the business they want to move away from tour operators and it's how successful they're going to be with that i think that's where the the tension is going to be is in the ability um you know what sort of airlift i mean somewhere like barbados where elegant is there is reasonable airlift and i think I think Marriott can be confident about dragging in airlift and dragging in people from North America, um, whereas, say, for Elegant, their key market has been the UK. Um, and I think um, if, if Marriott only has to bring in a little bit more from North America for that to be quite a powerful addition. Yeah, sure. Now, we're going to talk next about uh, Sykes Holiday Cottages. Um, so we've seen all the private equity investors come through the hotel markets in uh, in Europe, and um, many of them exited and kind of lo- looking now further to uh, the eastern end of the Med and further afield. Uh, meantime, here we've got a what appears to be quite a niche holiday rental business in the UK, which has uh, recently jumped horses. So it's, uh, it's said goodbye to uh, private equity investor Livingbridge, who've been helping them grow. Uh, until now and they now uh, have have instead taken up with uh, an outfit called Vitruvian Partners who are backing them to uh, grow to the next level uh, quite an interesting business just in the UK at the moment but has recently bought its first uh, overseas acquisition in New Zealand uh, and here's a company that concentrates on just renting cottages in rural areas to uh, Brits and I guess a few other foreign folk who want to come there for holidays. Um, the thing that struck me about having a look at this this business was it's it's not just a digital platform. It's uh, it combines kind of clever digital stuff and they're they're getting some very good returns for their uh, their owners with good old fashioned boots on the ground and they're actually you know loving their customers to death with um, call centres that you can actually phone up and speak to a human being for quite a long number of the hours around the clock uh, and then they've got a sort of big customer support team uh, out there on the ground getting out if the owners don't want to change the sheets and do those other things themselves then there's there's support to do that for them um, yeah. and I guess it yeah. proves that there's still you know there's, 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 this is only a little niche but it's actually a niche that seems to be growing quite, quite fast and um, there's room alongside all the other big platforms for something like this it's certainly attracting a lot of interest uh, from venture capital, private equity at the moment. I, I, I toddled along to, um, there's a thing called Host, which is like an exhibition type thing in London. Um, and there are a bunch of these, uh, I don't know what you could, service companies, I guess you'd call them, um, um, attending that had various stands um, but at, at the sort of conferencing bit of of this exhibition um, there was a lot of chatter about the valuations and how high the valuations are currently for these um, service companies and they've probably got a little bit out of line a little bit too excitable in terms of the, <laughs> the numbers because they're really lacking scale mm. there's none of them really have a consumer uh, brand which is worthy of the name I mean they're still unknown out there with the consumers so in terms of how much of a platform they are in terms of booking um, it's quite weak I well, think well yes I mean I've, I've judged some of the uh, service department awards you know the innovation sections on those in the, in the past sort of two or three years and there's been a whole there's a whole raft of people that kind of come around and hold keys drop them off or change linen or specialise in bringing fresh linen around to all the little Airbnb lets and so on and like you say they're all little little outfits and they're going to take a lot of effort to scale up and it seemed to me that Sykes had, uh, have kind of 
built themselves with a lot of this stuff um, cemented into their structure yeah that, that, absolutely they're still subscale though mm. i would argue in terms of having a um in, 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 you know to, to actually be meaningful from that consumer perspective and i think the valuations have got carried away looking at these as technology companies when then when they're really actually property services companies yeah. and it's all it's all looking a bit we work to me um in terms of that you know we work for all the the guff about it being having lots and lots of data and all this kind of stuff the reality is it was a it's a services company and it just got um rather hyped out of existence and there is a bit of a danger going on on here for that i mean and it's interesting you know uh, there's a number of them um, say this themselves. So William Parry, he was his uh, chief operating officer at Altido, I think that's how you pronounce it, which is one of the firms supporting Marriott's um, home sharing venture, and itself was the result of a four-way merger of a smaller. Um, um, of these service companies back in May, um, and he, William Parry said that. that these valuations are going to result in companies coming unstuck because although they're raising a bit of cash ultimately they're, they're going to have to try and deliver on that um, and it just doesn't make sense i mean if you look at you know just in the week in which sykes was done there's also vacasa um, which is which is the company that bought the u.s bits of wyndham's vacation rental mm -hmm. unit so if you put the sykes um, deal in and Vacasa's acquisition of the Wyndham bit as a total of uh, one billion US in that one week deployed, um, and you know this is quite big money for us. What as you point out is still quite a small segment of the overall accommodation market, and by no means um, as clearly profitable, say as as, as hotels. Yeah, although I suppose the yes, the, the key to, one of the key distinctions I spotted was that you know Sykes Sykes is making money; they're not. Desperate, desperately going yes, for global absolutely. domination uh, and, and worry about the profit later no yeah. no 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 absolutely i think that that's one of the critical bits um if you can but it, it's a tough game um you know it's a tough game um to make money at this um so but, but yeah. we'll see well now let's uh, speak for uh, our third third um subject about this year's deloitte uh, uh, hotel conference which you were at andrew um i went last year so perhaps we can compare and contrast what were the concerns mm. uh, that were uh, uppermost on people's minds this this year well, I was looking at the delegate survey actually this year and last year. It was interesting. Stuff like Brexit and breakup of the European Union has declined as a sort of worry uh, factor for delegates quite markedly um, year on year. Um, what had grown or stayed very important though was um, economic cycle and economic growth that was right up to the top of the worry list yeah it seemed um, to be last year there was quite a so few concerns about what, are we at the top of the cycle or not all this sort of thing yeah yeah that 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 was an ongoing yeah. debate i mean uh, stefan doyle um who's an investment banker at credit suisse i mean he, he said we're late into the cycle but no one is calling a crash and i think that that, that about sums it up really um there's a you know expectations are for a very flat period and if not slightly declining um, profitability over the next couple of years as we've already remarked um, when we we're talking about the results um, of the listed companies and that's the general view that's out there right now across the marketplace um, but you know the I think the good news bit is that the Brexit piece has 
really, I wouldn't say gone away, but it's much less of a yeah. worry factor. Even stuff like shortage of skilled labour, interestingly, um, the worries about that had declined quite a lot. Mm. Um, sort of almost halved in terms of as an issue. Is that just because um, people are kind of getting, according have, to the have got on with it and therefore it's actually got to be less bad than they feared it might be yeah i, th- I think there's a bit of that i think i think was, i think partly because it has ease because the the economy's slowing yeah. and um if you look at the you know where we are in terms of unemployment is we've had quite a weak um period um over the last few months so that that has changed um so i think that's taken the, the heat out of that a little bit i think we're going to see ongoing rising costs there i think there's no way you can avoid that but um, um you know but i think people are, are looking at it are addressing it and doing something with it now i, I think one of the things that uh, stefan Doyle did highlight though was in terms of deal structures and we talked to i think you talked last time in your write-up about the uh, the prevalence yes. There's a big worry. There's a big particular. worry a year ago about workaround rents going to, you know, weave into the fabric of finance as being as just sort of, you know, two or three years time. We'll wonder what the fuss was, and they'll be part of the part of a, of a decent number of deals, or will the wheels badly come off one of them, and uh, <laughs> and there'll be a, there'll be a sort of egg on the faces of those who kind of uh, rather rather came up with the idea. So uh, has that gone away? Uh, no, it's still there. Uh, Stefan Doyle raised it again. Um, I, I think the sensible conclusion was, however, that you know if you do have a ground in ground rent in place there, you've got to restructure, um, rebalance the capital structure. You've got to make sure there's enough equity in there. And just when you sort of got chatting um, to people, there was a number of deals were highlighted saying, look, there's just not enough equity left in these deals. They're just pushing things mm-hmm. too hard, uh, too fast. Um, so, but you know, if you take a benign outlook in terms of interest rates and in terms of the overall trade, I, I, I think I, I don't think there's going to. Of course, there's going to be some deals which do completely come unstuck. And that's inevitable. But I, I, um, I, I think broadly, we're not going to see a wholesale market meltdown. I think that looks. And very the other unlikely. thing that last year was kind of quite scary I remember was uh, the pr- a presentation looking at the level of pipeline particularly across several key German cities and I guess if you then link that up with the recent uh, survey off the back of the uh, Expo Royale German big property German event um, the, the sentiment there was considerably more negative than the previous year but that's you know that's it's the economy stupid over there isn't it uh, as well never never mind the yeah pipeline. yeah well you, you, you you've got a number of headwinds there I think in that German market you've got the supply piece and it's always Mm. supply i think i mean you know we can talk up all the other fancy bits about this industry but it's 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 actually quite simple if if supply gets out of line with demand then then you've got a problem and supply does look like it's getting out of out of line with demand demand's declining because of economic contraction in in germany it's a very difficult time right now for germany because of the the trade wars that are going on it's a huge export economy um it's very difficult very orientated around manufacturing and that's an area which is really coming in for a bit of a kicking in these trade wars um and it's hard to see how germany gets out of the pickle it's in um in the short term very easily so i think it's going to be quite tough i think 
if you're in it for the medium to longer term i think germany's going to be a great market because germany has to move it has to move away from its focus on manufacturing much more towards a services economy much more towards a, an experience economy piece which is hugely going to favor um, the hotel sector and there's going to be outsized demand growth in the medium to long term in germany i would predict because it simply hasn't got the the level of uh, hotel capacity which you know an economy say the like the UK has um, so it, it, it needs that and that is that is going to come but I think there's going to be a tough um, year or two ahead and of course the, the other meantime. thing is you know you can already, it's already it's already we're looking at the macro level but actually you know Pandox only today bought another hotel in Nuremberg and um, the reason they bought it was because they see an opportunity to turn it around move it up market and make some more money out of it so you know Absolutely, of course. I mean, in many ways, um, you know, it is players who like Pandox who are truly close to the industry, understand it, who spot the opportunities, and and can do things with it. And you know, opportunity funds obviously thrive in a difficult environment. And as we head into a more difficult environment, you would expect these sort of players to become yeah. more dominant. Well, there we are. That's all from us for this week. Uh, bye for now.